Hello there. We're trying to keep Coral Chihuahua going, and so we draw your attention to the possibility of listening to us on Patreon for just a few quid a month. This also magically gets rid of the ads. That's Patreon with an E, patreon.com forward slash Coral Chihuahua. On with the app. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Good to be back with you. A couple of episodes ago, we discussed hormones and their effects on the voice. And it's a great pleasure this week to welcome back Charlotte Mobbs and Dr. Ginevra Williams to lead us through a conversation about menopause and the effects it can have on singers uh, and possibly to look at some techniques and suggestions on dealing with these side effects. But before we start, Ginevra, would you like to do the honours? Welcome to Coral Chihuahua. Monteverdi that sounds like Stanford. Thank you. There we go. Stage one complete. I have to hold my hand up and confess that this is something which I had not really considered until more recent times uh, as being something that my colleagues and friends were having to contend with uh, in their singing. Uh, And as someone who's been conducting choirs for a long time now, uh, I feel somewhat ashamed to say that this wasn't really on my radar. Um, However, it is nowadays, and I'm delighted that we're able to have this conversation today. Ginevra, when did you first become aware that this was an issue for singers? Well, relatively recently, actually. Um, I think I had done most of my early research was in children's voices. And so I was very aware of, of what they were going through with hormone changes. But the idea that hormone changes in later life would be affecting singers, I think we've only really got to grips with this in the last 10 years or so. Which is horrifically recent, isn't it? Yeah. You hear this said quite often nowadays, but if this were a condition that affected men, uh, this there would have been research happening to this uh, for decades and decades now. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, uh, the early uh, research grants were all decided by men and researched by men uh, on men. So women's issues were never really flagged up. No. And in fact... Um... The earliest research is in was in the 1990s, and uh, I was reading one of those papers earlier, and uh, they actually used men as the uh, control group for, on a paper about 
the effects of the menopause on the female voice. How extraordinary is that? <laughs> That's so funny. They, they could have used dogs, perhaps. <laughs> Chihuahuas. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've certainly been accused of singing like a dog at times. Uh, but before we go down that particular rabbit hole, let's hear our first track. This is the opening movement of Vivaldi's famous Gloria, that's sung as Vivaldi may have heard it while he was employed at the Ospedale della Pietà in Venice, an institution similar to the Foundling Hospital, which Handel wrote his famous anthem for. This is the opening movement of the Gloria, but sung by an all-female choir. Richard Vendome conducting the Scola Pietatis Antonio Vivaldi from the album Vivaldi's Women. Richard Vendome was the director of the Oxford Girls Choir and has done a huge amount of research into the all-female chorus that Vivaldi would have conducted. Uh, and if you're interested to find out a bit more about this, the BBC4 documentary uh, can still be found on YouTube and is really worth a look. That's uh, quite something, isn't it? And now that's that's... A performance in D major that's the same key that we would be singing it in in a in an SATB uh, performance so those ladies on the bass part are singing at the same pitch that I would be singing at extraordinary so let's start the conversation with looking at what is the menopause the stages what happens symptoms uh, and if you could give us a quick sort of general rundown of of what what we're talking about here Charlotte how long do we have because that's quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, well, look, if you um, go on to Google and type in um, 
menopause symptoms. It comes up with a list of over 46 symptoms. So it often comes up with the top 40. I mean, that's huge. That's a lot of symptoms. Um, So what we're looking at is um, three stages, perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause. Um, perimenopause can last, well, most likely to last for years. Um, it can last for only a few months, but it's more likely to last for years. Um, menopause is the day or the time that you, your period stops. And then you are into postmenopause. Um, and that lasts for years again. Um, so perimenopause can start any, as menopause can, you know, you can have a, an earlier menopause in your 30s. Um, so perimenopause, most likely, I think I'm right in saying about 45, 45-ish. Um, and that, that can go on for years. Um, the symptoms, some of them, many symptoms, uh, irregular periods, um, mood swings, migraines, trouble sleeping, fatigue, dryness, brain fog, anxiety, um, you know, vertigo, the list goes on and on and on. Hot flashes. And al- alongside irregular periods, you can sometimes get really heavy bleeding. You said there that the, the average age for beginning this was around sort of 40, 45, but that's not the case for everyone, is it? No, absolutely not. In similar, you know, there are so many similarities between what you're here today and what we spoke about, what we've said previously in the previous episode, is that everybody's journey is different. There is no one path. Um, so, you know, time scale is different for everybody. Absolutely, I know of a number of singers who uh, had early, very early menopause. Um, before 40 which is really really very challenging and if you're not expecting it and you start Mm. getting odd symptoms in your 20s the last thing you think about is it could be early menopause and it's only if you go for blood checks and they start checking hormone levels that, that you might know but certainly after the age of 40 if things start changing or you're you're getting any of the symptoms that you just named earlier, then it's certainly something to consider that you may well be perimenopausal. Uh, And you can go and have a blood check to just to see whether you are and that'll check hormone levels. And then you've got a better idea of whether all of those oddities that you're going through are something that is is actually healthy, even though it's really unpleasant and uncomfortable. It's happening in a healthy body that is doing the things that a healthy body does. And so you find other ways to mitigate the unpleasantness of the symptoms. Once one has been to see your GP and had that blood test, and I say one has been given the results that you are indeed perimenopausal, it's, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it feels like that could be not a life-changing experience, but but one has to adapt to a whole new a whole new set of uh, obstacles and and difficulties that one's facing. 
Well, except that you've been facing them for a little while and finally someone has said, you're not going bonkers. <laughs> it's okay. There is a reason for this. Your hormone levels have changed. Your estrogen levels are, you know, they're constantly fluctuating anyway, but they're lowering and lowering and lowering. Um, and this is happening for a reason. So actually, I think for a lot of people to be told you are perimenopausal or um, going through the menopause, then actually it can be a relief to be told that. Yeah, if it's coming at, at a suitable time for you, uh, and that would be when you are okay with not being fertile anymore, when you've, you've done that, that stage of your life and uh, ready to move on to the next stage but there's a bit of a bumpy road between the two yes I'm not sure that there's <laughs> I'm not sure there's a convenient time is there because of course for many people this is an extremely you're around the age of 40 45 it's an extremely hectic period of life while children are often young work is still very busy there are an awful lot of plates to keep spinning aren't there Charlotte <laughs> <laughs> So many plates. So I've lost count of the plates. <laughs> and I think this is actually this is significant for a lot of women because in their forties and early fifties, uh, a lot of women are, I mean, coping with teenage children, and they can be emotionally challenging, uh, even though they may be less time consuming. And this emotional challenge is coming at a time when you may be having mood swings. You may be sleeping badly you may be quite uncomfortable a lot of the time and it's difficult to manage. And also this time in one's working life, it can be when you are actually moving on to senior management levels, when you are becoming a leader in your workplace and more responsibility. And all of these things are, are piling onto you at a time when your body is, is being a little bit more chaotic and unpredictable. It all sounds terrifying, quite frankly. And uh, I mean, in the interests of uh, clarity, I should point out that the reason that Charlotte and I are sitting on the same microphone, well, not sitting on the microphone, but <laughs> using the same microphone, <laughs> uh, is that uh, we're also married as well. Before we move on, here's another track, something a little different. This is Trio Bulgarka, three Bulgarian singers, Stoyanka Boneva from Pirin, Yanka Rubkina from Stranja and Eva Georgieva from Dobruja. Uh, and these ladies combined to perform and record traditional Bulgarian music, as well as collaborating with other artists, including Kate Bush on her album The Red Shoes. This track is from their album Balkana, The Music of Bulgaria. And the track is called Nahil Sai Dobri. This is a song about Dobri the merchant who's selling cloaks from town to town. And one day he looks for some herbs in the town of Jaravna. And instead of herbs, he finds the beautiful lady indescribably named Bonka. And she's sweeping the courtyard of her house. And Dobri says, Bonka, look at me and love me. Marina digni si radiške, ale no to bulci. 
Marida Marina digni si radičke, aljano to bulci. Marina te vide radičke, černa okalisi. De moj bilkonaka, v gjuzelim bonkini, v gjuzelim bonkini. Bonka dvori me te, ravni dvori me te, ravni dvori me te. Marina digni si radičke, aljano to bulci. Marina te vide radičke, černa okalisi. Marina digni si radičke, aljano to bulci. Marina te vide radičke, černa okalisi. Dobri bonki duma, bonke poglednima, bonke zaljubima. Dobri bonki duma, bonke poglednima, bonke zaljubima. Marina digni si radičke, aljano to bulci. Marina te vide radičke, černa okalisi. Marina digni si radičke, aljano to bulci. Marina te vide radičke, černa okalisi. Черна околиси. Again, on that recording, Charlotte, we've got some very, some quite low-sounding female voices there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's worth noting that some people just do have low voices. So, um, you know, that that is... Uh, just a fact we have quite in this country we have quite a few lady tenors don't we in choral societies and coming along to workshops yeah absolutely lady tenors are actually increasing increasingly uh i find more and more ladies in the tenor section and often uh they're proving to be the backbone of their sections um and also in, struggle to... in ladies barbershop yeah. the uh, yes the lowest part is really quite low mm. Yeah, I can remember at school many, many years ago, back in the 80s, uh, a group called the Queen's Singers came and gave a concert at our school. And I remember sitting there just with my jaw hanging open at this lady who could sing lower than I could uh, at that time. I did look them up on the on Google, but I couldn't find them, unfortunately. So maybe they're, maybe, mind you, it was, <laughs> it was a long time ago, as I say. Um, but is that something, to, let's think about the menopause and the effects that it can have on voice is a deepening of the voice one of the possible symptoms of that it is possible yes i mean you know so um during uh perimenopause and menopause the um sex hormone receptors receive um extra uh androgens um and they thicken the membranes of the vocal folds that can lead to a deeper sounding voice Absolutely, it can. Again, it's really important to say that not everything, everyone will will find all of these symptoms. You know, you may you may not feel any effect on your voice at all. You or you may feel that you're sat there and you're thinking, oh yes, actually, that 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 and that could display possibly um, vocal fatigue, increased vocal fatigue. Um, I often, the phrase that I often hear and um, being 100% honest here is that um, 
a change uh, a change in the voice feeling more unpredictable or less predictable that's something that I very much feel and that can be pitching unpredictability as well so where you are used to just having a certain sensation and knowing what pitch that's going to be suddenly that's disturbed and that can be because the vocal folds themselves are behaving differently because they're more edematous or edematous swelling caused by too much fluid in the tissues and that can be because the vocal folds themselves are behaving differently because they're more edematous or because the the nerve um, signals to the muscles uh, will shift as well with with menopause um, and the brain is giving different messages so you go to sing one note and another one comes out and that can be really disturbing for a singer and there's this can last for a while and then the, the brain will recalibrate and and work it out and it's a similar instability to the the ones that happen with teenagers as we were talking about last time that you just go through this period of, of not quite knowing what's going to come out so pitching instability as well as a pitch shift and it is normal for a pitch shift to go down. Mm. Occasionally, people find their pitch goes up. Sometimes people find the pitch stays the same. But most women will find that their, their overall pitch will drop. They'll get more at the bottom and less at the top. And the speaking voice will yeah. drop. And that is an, a natural thing yeah. with ageing anyway, that the speaking voice gets lower. And of course, for, for any singer to experience those kind of changes where as you say you're exp you have a sensation and as a singer we know that you know if you're going to sing a d that it feels in that part of the voice and it doesn't fit there anymore that's very upsetting very troubling for for singers of any standard if you're singing at a, at a very high level it must be absolutely terrifying to be facing that yeah yeah very very um uh, very frightening and also you know let's bear in mind that we've already mentioned anxiety so here we go here's another layer of anxiety to put on top the anxiety of I'm not quite sure what's going to come out is this going to be what I what I need it to be at this moment um, and that you know that can be uh, affecting confidence and performance wise then you know, you're going down a, a path of performance anxiety, potentially. Um, and, you know, this is a, a whole path of um, anxiety, basically just anxiety. There's an awful lot of anxiety <laughs> going on. Any male conductors out there, we need to be hyper aware of this now and conscious and supportive uh, of the ladies in our choirs. Um in a minute, I think it would be useful to maybe have a chat about what one can do to try and offset some of these symptoms, what we can do. But let's have another track before then. Another all-female vocal ensemble. This is the trio who are simply called Voice. I met these singers uh, about 15 or so years ago uh, when they sang in Pulse, which was the solo voice ensemble, which was the top level of the Southbank Centre's Voice Lab programme, which was run by the wonderful Mary King. This is the first movement of Three Wings by Tim Lee Young, uh, and it forms part of Voices' show Hildegard Transfigured. Hey. 
Una Via, part one of Three Wings by Tim Lee Young, performed by voice. The singers were Victoria Cooper, Clemmie Franks and Emily Byrne. And you can explore more of this programme on their recording Hildegard Portraits on the Somme label, which has works by Hildegard von Bingen, alongside other works by Ivan Moody, Stevie Wishart, Laura Moody, Marcus Davidson and Emily Levy. Incidentally, Clemmie Franks also sang on the first track, uh, the Vivaldi Gloria, that we heard sung by the Scuola Pietatist Antonio Vivaldi, Clemmie, who was uh, a one-time member of the Oxford Girls' Choir, uh, which was conducted by Richard Vendome, who conducted that same Vivaldi project. I've been on a journey of sorts of my own over the last couple of years, uh, trying to deal with uh, some vocal issues, and I've had speech and language therapy and various bits of uh, vocal uh, physical therapy as well. So I have uh, sort of a toolbox, if you like, of things that I can do now for days when I'm finding the voice is not working quite how I would like it to. Um, and yeah, I've got the processes that I could that I can try and put in put in place and and a routine that I go through on on concert days. What can we suggest to female singers who might be experiencing some of the symptoms that we've been talking about here? Uh, or what are, you know, what what are your own experiences of, of dealing with these with these symptoms? Have you got any useful techniques that we might be able to pass on, which people can explore? I think the main thing to say is that it's important that you carry on singing, that you keep using those muscles. I think you may have heard me say it before, you use it or you lose it. So keep using your voice. Um, personally, I, I also have a tool toolbox, a toolkit, and I like to empower um, my singers that I work with um, to fill their own toolkits as well. Um, for me, um, using semi-occluded vocal tract exercises, um, have, so um, those that can be on a, a z, z, n, uh, the ng on the siren, or um, or all sorts of things using the straw. I believe you've talked about straw work before. Yeah, a little bit. Yes, yeah. we, that's something we can go into so, in more detail another time, I think. Yeah, vocalising through the straw. It's really important that everybody understands that what you're doing is vocalising through the straw. I sometimes see people thinking it's a musical instrument. It's not. <laughs> so we're just extending our vocal tract with the straw. So we're just going to sing through the straw. Um and is that just singing through the straw on its own, or can it be? In, would you sing into a, into water as well? I for this, I mean, I I would do without water for for something like this. To be honest, I mean, it it any exercises that you're doing are are good exercises. It really varies from person to person. Again, your own journey. So find what you feel is working for you, or find someone that can help you to fill your own toolkit. And you can also understand the other changes going on in your body and accommodate them. If you can't change them, you can accommodate them. And I think people work this out for themselves. So if you are prone to having hot flushes, you wear layers. So you can strip off some layers pretty quickly and, and carry on functioning. That's difficult to do if you're in some kind of, of costume or uniform that you can't remove the layers. So maybe that's something that we could consider making life more comfortable for women in, in choirs, 
is allowing them to wear a, a uniform that is a bit more flexible, that doesn't necessarily have high necks and scarves and um, long sleeves and things that might be more uncomfortable if you're actually going through a bit of a hot flush. Yeah, good suggestion that. I think uh, I, I like to think that I'm pretty flexible in what I ask my choirs to wear. The only proviso that I give is that there has to be plenty of bling, which always, oh, that's a stupid thing to say. I mean, that is what I say. Oh, let's not include that. <laughs> <laughs> they always seem to like They always seem to like that. If you're a, a choir leader or a choir conductor and you are wondering what to say to the women in your choir, what, what to say to open the channels of communication, the first thing you can do is to just say you're aware that this is a thing. You're aware that, that there will be women in the group who are going through all sorts of, of journeys of their own that may be making their voices and their bodies slightly less predictable, less comfortable. And if anybody needs anything in particular, please ask. So just don't assume, don't assume that all the women in their 40s are going to be having hot flushes because a lot of them won't be. Don't assume anything, just open up communication and say, I understand this is a thing, do let me know what you need. Absolutely. I think I think we would all rather someone acknowledged and opened up that communication. I don't think anybody will be offended by that. And, um, you know, and it's sort of here is another similarity to our previous podcast, you know, the, the voice changing and possibly the slight lowering of the voice. Maybe you're not finding it so easy to sing hum a top g for 35 bars thank you james mcmillan <laughs> um you know maybe that's that's you're struggling with that that's not your thing anymore but hang on what have you gained what have you gained you've gained this beautiful warm tone at the bottom slightly richer so you've so you've gained something so how can we accommodate that what can we do um as as a conductor or as a choir leader what can we do to allow that? Well, this is very similar to those those um, teenage girls who possibly, you know, don't need to be put in boxes of soprano, alto boxes. You know, maybe we could have a bit more flexibility here. Question. These sorts of changes of the lowering of a voice, it would, do we know whether this is a is a permanent state of affairs or, or can the voice sort of come back up afterwards? So I'm wondering whether... If you've been a first soprano, you have a little period of time singing second or possibly even alto, and then does does the voice come back up? Maybe. I mean, there's yes, it's possible. It's possible, but it's not a, a definite. I mean, there's a conversation um, about um, HRT and what this can do um, for us uh, as a whole but also what it can do for us, um, you know, vocally. There have been some um, bits of research done where um, postmenopausal women without hormone therapy were able to phonate, were phonating at a lower pitch compared to those with HRT. But look, we're looking at really small numbers here. So we can't, we really can't generalise. 
um, if HRT is something that that you're considering, then that's a conversation with your your GP. That anecdotally, a lot of singers will say that HRT has really helped them. Yeah, but we also know that this is something that that, as Charlotte said, you do need to to talk to your GP about. Is it the right thing for you? Are you wanting it for the right reasons? God, it's such a minefield, isn't it? It really is. Mm. Uh, and that, as, as you say, I mean, I've realised that I'm asking questions to which there aren't any straight answers, uh, because as you've said, every journey is different, every case is unique. Um, so I think for those people listening, it's probably reassuring for people to hear uh, you talking about symptoms that they may be experiencing or that they may be experiencing what they're going through in their own singing uh, and knowing that it's, yeah, it's not just them, because it must be quite a lonely thing. I, I know from my own vocal struggles that it can feel very isolating when you feel that you can't operate at the level at which you're used to yes yeah absolutely and also you you don't know whether it's going to get worse whether it's going to stay the same whether it's going to get better there's a lot of unknown about it and again talking to lots of singers and reading singers own experiences about this there is light at the end of the tunnel you do come out from all of the instabilities into a different normal, a new normal for you. And that can be really empowering because that will be in your 50s normally and maybe a time when your children are are moving away, when you are able to take on more responsibility at work, when you perhaps don't care so much about what other people think of your voice and just want to sing for your own joy and pleasure uh, wherever you can and however you can and it can be so liberating and so empowering to be in this phase post-menopause out of the way of all of that a bit more predictable you know where you are vocally and you've got years and years of happy singing before you even have to think about the effects of the aging voice, which is another conversation. Um, yes, and um, I heard a wonderful thing about this phase um, and what what it's often called now. It's often called the goddess phase, which I think is amazing. That suddenly you come out of this and you are this goddess, and absolutely you are. You're already a goddess. In oh, my life, <laughs> <laughs> I paid him to say that. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a really important thing to hang on to though just listening to this that actually as you say it is uh, a temporary state of affairs one hopes and and that to listen to as an idea that there's a light at the end of the tunnel not just that but uh, you know a time of joy waiting sort of at the end of this something very positive for you know god I can't speak today sorry (laughs) Welcome to the menopausal brain. <laughs> now, I'm finding when I give seminars and workshops now, the nouns just vanish from my head and I haven't got the recall. And I just own it straight up there. And I say, sorry, the word's not there, menopause brain. And you can see half the people in the room nodding and smiling and understanding what it is. And then two or three minutes later, the word just drops into my head and I, I know where it is. But I just I just own up and go with it. Absolutely. And I think we all need to, to do that 
and we need to have conversations. There need to be conversations, more conversations. Keep talking about it. The more we talk about it, the more we we are, are um, helping people. So absolutely own it. Ginevra, I know you wanted to mention uh, some resources that people could possibly go and look at uh, if they're looking to explore this topic a bit further. Yeah. Now, the best one for singers is a book called Singing Through Change, Women's Voices in Midlife, Menopause and Beyond. And it's by Nancy Boss, Joanne Bozeman and Kate Frazier-Neely. And it is a very, very helpful book that talks you through the whole process and has a lot of interviews with other singers. So that is that is really worth investing in. Um, and I would love to read a short section from the book, which I think is beautiful and it sums it all up. We must be open to becoming a different singer through our changes, during which every part of our body is affected from our fingernails to our intestines. Anecdotally and personally, we've learned that there can be a fulfilling and sometimes hidden truth to uncover in our vocal lives as we move through the years of perimenopause, postmenopause and ageing. That truth may include releasing the need to meet the expectations of others, interest in exploring newly enhanced characteristics of the voice, and discovery of an overriding desire to impact others with our story through singing. When we go through the menopausal transformation and second voice change, we each react to and create our own unique physical, emotional and spiritual journey. That's wonderful, isn't it? As you say, that really encapsulates it. Everything that one needs to hear is right there. Yeah, it's worth also saying that the, um, the book is also available as an audio book and um, they have um, uh, joined me on many dog walk recently. <laughs> so thank you uh, to them for, for writing that amazing book. It's, it really is worth, worth a, a read and a listen. Um, so it's also worth, uh, we talked about earlier about filling your own toolkit, your own toolbox, um, there are so many um, vocal health professionals out there that are able to help you. Um, there are two right here. And there's a new centre down in Lewis, um, uh, Valentine Voice Care Centre, which is full of um, singing teachers, vocal coaches, but also uh, vocal massage therapists, um, uh, acup uh, acupuncture, uh, osteopaths, nutritional therapists as well all you know let's look at the whole picture here let's do everything we can to help ourselves there's a lot of research that that to suggest that diet is actually really important and that yes. you can help yourself through these hormonal changes with adjustments to your diet and um, there is another book called the hormone repair manual which is by lara bryden and that has a lot of helpful advice about other lifestyle changes you can make so some good practical uh, advice there and uh, opportunities for people to explore this further, should they like to. Uh, Charlotte, Ginevra, I think that's probably time for us to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for your uh, expertise and your experience and sharing that with us. Um, Ginevra, I, you started the hormone episode uh, with a song that people might not have been expecting. And I think you've got another suitable one to close us out today. Would you like to introduce it for us? Yes, it's a bit cheesy, really, but I think it does sum it up very nicely. And it's Joni Mitchell singing both sides now. 
Thanks very much to you both, and we'll see you next time on Coral Chihuahua. Rose and flows of angel hair and ice cream castles in the air and feather canyons everywhere.
Just before you go, another reminder to try listening on Patreon, which costs just a few pounds per month. Or if you prefer, you can very simply make a one-off donation. You can actually do either via coralchihuahua.com. Thanks.